Hey everyone, welcome to Best True Crime Podcast, a division of Best True Crime Books, Games, and Video, LLC. Every episode is a journey where I take you to explore crime, forensics, and historical cases. Join me as I inform, educate, and entertain true crime enthusiasts through criminal justice and dark history tours. My name is Judith A. Yates, and I'm an award-winning author, a criminologist, and a paranormal explorer. Now, grab your crime scene kits, notebooks, and hats, and join me on this investigation. The date is the mid-1930s. The place is Tulsa, Oklahoma. Your mission is to meet the victims of a serial killer. In this case, you're about to meet the most evil female serial killer you never heard of. At the corner of 10 East 21st Street and South Main in Tulsa, Oklahoma, there is a vacant parking lot area, chained off so no one can use it. There is a set of old stone steps leading off the lot down toward the street level. These steps are the remnants of one of the most evil female serial killers you may have never heard of. Opal Mary Carey, a.k.a. Carol Ann Mary Smith, a.k.a. Carol Ann Horner, a.k.a. Carol Ann Smith. To make life easier, we're going to call her Carol Ann Smith. It is difficult to truly record all of Carol Ann's history to include her crimes. Not too many details are known about her before, during, and even after her crimes, and her list of potential victims wasn't unearthed until law enforcement found the two captives in her basement. Opal Mary Carey, also listed as Carol Ann Meredith Carey, was born in Indianapolis, Indiana in 1893. Her father, Thomas, received his paycheck from Indiana Glass Company, and that was a good job. They were a wealthy family. Carol Ann and her two sisters attended very prestigious private schools. A pious family, and they attended the local Episcopalian church where Carol Ann loved to sing and study her Bible. Her mother died in 1902 when Carol Ann was only nine years old. But my father was a prince, Carol Ann later would say. He never left us alone at night. She adored her father, she would say and he was a devoted man to his children. The family would eventually relocate to Muskogee, Oklahoma, as Thomas found better work, because providing for his family was a priority. Carol Ann grew to be no great beauty. She was rather sturdily built, white female with curling short dark hair. She had kind of a thick face with a very prominent nose. She was 21 years old in 1914 when she met a man named Faye Harold Smith. He was a salesman for steel companies. Faye was tall and slender, had sort of tousled brown hair, high forehead, and a somewhat glinty smile that when he smiled it caused his eyes to crinkle. They married soon after they met. In 1915 might have been a turning point for Carol Ann's future behavior, She gave birth to a premature boy who died just a few hours after her birth. In 1919, she became pregnant with her second son. History would repeat itself when she again gave birth 
prematurely, and this boy died after a few hours of birth. She was reportedly marked by sadness the rest of her life that she could not bear children. While Carol Ann could not have children, she and Faye lived in a lavish lifestyle and would move to Tulsa for his new job at the Williamsport Wire Rope Company. Their apartment at the Sophian Plaza was in a nice part of Tulsa, where the up-and-coming wealthy resided. The Smiths even hired a housekeeper, a woman named Beulah Walker. Beulah, with her wavy dark hair, slender face, and thin build, wore their traditional housekeeper uniform, complete with a cap and loopy bow at her throat. Beulah reported enjoying her job as the Smiths treated her, well, like family. Later, Beulah Walker would discover exactly how Carol Ann treated family, and she would pay for it. And then, Carol Ann's idyllic life shattered. Perhaps this is where the killing began. October 29, 1929 is what history calls Black Tuesday, and it's one of the darkest days in history for America. That day, Wall Street investors traded an estimated 16 million shares on the New York Stock Exchange. The stock market crashed. Billions of dollars were lost, wiping out thousands of investors. Overnight, people who were eating in the finest restaurants, using the finest china, were now standing in long lines for a bowl of very watery, free soup doled out by nonprofit organizations. The Dow Jones Industrial Average closed at 41.22, its lowest value of the 20th century, and it was 89% below its peak. By 1933, almost half of the banks in the country had closed down. 30% of the U.S. workforce lost their jobs. People were selling their cars for food. Along the economic downturn, Storms and droughts were destroying farms in the Midwest, causing thousands of farmers to shut their doors, put wood and nail it to the walls and nail it to the windows, and leave their homes and what little belongings they could put on the carts, and they fled. At that time, it was the deepest and longest-lasting economic downturn in the history of the Western industrialized world. The Smith household managed to hang on, though, until 1933, June 30th. Faye Smith was at work when he was handed a letter from C.M. Ballard, the vice president of the Williamsport Wire Rope Company. It announced Faye's services were no longer needed. He'd been laid off, like so many thousands of men across the country. Is this true? Faye asked his manager, J.M. Dudley. Dudley sadly replied that, yes, Faye was no longer part of this company. The Tulsa Daily World newspaper reported the events in great detail. Faye walked into the couple's lavish apartment at the Sophian Plaza, where Carol Ann was arranging sheet music on their piano. Now, purchasing such an expensive, non-essential item for the home was a show of wealth and status. And Carol Ann was dressed very nicely during the day. She wore, according to the newspaper report, a big hat and a black blouse as part of her ensemble. Carol Ann loved wearing black. 
She told reporters how she chastised Williamsport Wire Rope Company, J.M. Dudley, and the nerve of C.M. Ballard for firing a man who had to leave his home and wife, work his self to death for stupid old Williamsport Wire Rope Company. Well, Faye said, at least he helped me get another job. I'm going to be selling insurance. Not as much pay. It's commission only. But hey, it's work. The now 40-year-old Carolyn Smith was used to the high life, and she told Faye he would surely do well. He was a very good salesman. She was half right. Faye Smith did work as an insurance salesman, but never at the same income level as he had before. He struggled, and as good a salesperson he was, he never made the money again that would keep his wife in that lifestyle she craved. Beulah Walker, the housemaid, reportedly became Faye's first customer at Carol Ann's insistence. Beulah's fee would come out of her paycheck, and Carol Ann signed as her beneficiary. Writing down Beulah was Carol Ann's aunt. And just like that, the maid had a $10,000 life insurance policy. Now that would be worth about $227,823 in today's money. On Monday, January 22, 1934, Faye Smith went missing. Carol Ann reported him missing to the police at about 5 o'clock that evening. The next day, January 23rd, a man was walking down the road and he found Faye's car about 100 yards off of a roadway. Faye was found slumped over dead about 20 feet from his vehicle. A gaping bullet hole was in the left side of his chest and a 12-gauge shotgun was lying in his lap. There was a twig in the trigger guard. When officers told Carol Ann the news, she had no reaction. No tears, no wailing, no shock. She just sat. None of Faye Smith's friends or former co-workers believed he was suicidal, but Carol Ann reported how she and Faye had discussed in depth his suicide as an option to end their financial woes. Carol Ann insisted Faye Smith had talked about committing suicide, even though his friends and former co-workers and new co-workers all insisted there was no way he would have committed suicide. Investigators felt the whole suicide story was sketchy indeed. The way the body was found, the position of the shotgun, Carol Ann's reaction, all those interviews. But given the times, perhaps it didn't seem strange. It was just another suicide brought on by the Great Depression they decided. Besides, crime was on the rise. No one had time to investigate a suicide. The file was closed on Faye Smith, and it left Carol Ann with a hefty $31,000 insurance payoff. Carol Ann Smith was still living in the Tony Sophian Plaza Park apartments in February 1935 when she had a loud argument with Beulah Walker. Carol Ann was heard screaming Bible scripture. She still knew her Bible scripture from her childhood days at the Episcopalian Church. Both women burst out the door and ran screaming across the lawn. Beulah was shouting how it was not false witness if it was true, 
and Carol Ann was screaming about bearing false witness. Thou shall not bear false witness. And then a man came driving down the street. Beulah ran out into the road, and he struck Beulah with his car. Poor Beulah was rushed to the hospital but succumbed to her injuries days later. Carol Ann told investigators that the poor new woman's name was Beulah Walker and she was a nurse that worked in Carol Ann's home. Multiple efforts were made by police to reach Beulah Walker's family, but it was to no avail. So Carol Ann, being the good soul she was, told the investigators she'd be happy to take over the task of finding and contacting and talking to Beulah's loved ones. After all, Beulah Walker had a large insurance policy, and Carol Ann, she was the beneficiary. But when she was sitting in the insurance office, Carol Ann told them Beulah was her beloved, oh, and very wealthy aunt, and that created a higher payout. The insurance company didn't buy it. They investigated and found out poor Beulah was a servant who Carol Ann treated like a dog and paid very little. The company canceled the policy. All was not over, however. The man who was driving that day and struck Beulah with his car was soon found dead. It was said that when he was interviewed, he was very tight-lipped about what would later be determined to be a very shady incident. Perhaps it was just a coincidence or foul play, just could never be really proven. Perhaps it was just rumors. But wherever Carol Land went, people dropped dead. The investigator working faced suicide. He died. Carol Ann's sister, she passed away during the same time period. The records as to cause of both deaths no longer exist. Carol Ann decided she wanted her father to move in with her. About this time, he was residing in St. Louis. She invites him to Tulsa, telling him the duplex that she was living in was just too big for her to be alone, and she just wanted his company. He agrees, and she makes several trips back and forth to St. Louis to help him pack and get his affairs in order. One of those affairs was to take out an insurance policy, naming, guess who, Carol Ann was the beneficiary. Her father never made it to Tulsa. He died before the move. Carol Ann, in between tears, collected a nice lump of cash by way of the insurance payoff. No one person could put all of these deaths together and find an unusual pattern. While Caroline Smith was paying all of those funerals, the efficient who had to organize them also mysteriously died. Then came Carol Ann's craziest and most deadly scam. It was the one that would put her on the map of crime history. And that part of the story is coming up in the second part of The Most Evil Female Serial Killer You Never Heard Of. I've been teaching education, and prevention of domestic violence for over 20 years. You need to know the signs of an abusive relationship. They include 
controlling your relationships with friends, families, and others, intimidation, pressuring you to do things you don't want to do, pushing for a fast relationship, and controlling your money, time, and possessions without discussions. If you or someone you know is in an abusive relationship, please seek help. Call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-SAFE. You can also go to the web at www.thehotline.org. They are multilingual and GLBT friendly. Please seek help. Thank you for listening to Best True Crime Podcast. We are a division of Best True Crime Books, Games, and Video, LLC. Every episode is a journey where I take you to explore crime, forensics, and historical cases. Join me next episode as I inform, educate, and entertain true crime enthusiasts through criminal justice and dark history tours. My name is Judith A. Yates. I am an award-winning author, a criminologist, and paranormal explorer. I hope you subscribe, and please stop by my website and check out my books and the games created by my team at www.truecrimebook.net.